This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash cheapseatreviews. With over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Also, iTunes sponsored this show. Go to www.cheapseatreviews.com, click on the iTunes uh, icon, download anything that you would normally want to buy anyway. We get a small portion of that just to help fund the show. So we thank for you, thank you for your support, and on, on to the show. Captain's Log, Stardate 9529.1. This is the final cruise of the Starship Enterprise under my command. This ship and her history will shortly become the care of another crew. To them and their posterity will we commit our future. They will continue the voyages we have begun and journey to all the undiscovered countries boldly going where no man, where no one, has gone before. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Well, hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. This is episode 57, and today we are not doing Bad Boys 2, but instead Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Although I don't think we really, did we not, we didn't tease a movie at the end of last week, right? That is fair. We didn't actually tease that we were going to do um, Bad Boys 2, but... Um, but on, it was on our list. But I it don't was know if anybody list. else was paying attention. Um, so. But on, on Friday, um, February... Was it 28th? Was that Friday? I can't remember yes. now. Yes. yes. Um, Leonard, no, Friday the 27th. Friday the 27th, yeah. thank you. Uh, Leonard, Nimoy passed, uh, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy passed away, uh, and he was, of course, Spock from the Star Trek series. And so we wanted to do a Star Trek movie... Uh, kind of in honor of him, um, and though um, I guess most people would would say, well, you should do Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, um, uh, there was two kind of big reasons why I chose not to do that one and to instead do this movie. One was that we have already done Into Darkness, which is basically a reboot of the same movie, mm-hmm. um, and I just, uh, but, but uh, truthfully, personally, I didn't know if I could talk about that movie on air. Truth be told, is it full disclosure? Um, the the passing of Leonard Nimoy affected me pretty personally. Um, it, um, watching Star Trek as a kid growing up, it was it was something that was very near and dear to me. Uh, it, it 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 was just it, it was my companion. It was uh, watching Spock and what he stood for and uh, and and meant to both the crew and in the real world. Uh, was was something very personally to me, and so um, I that's why we wanted to do this episode. But um, again, frankly, I, I didn't know if I could watch the death scene um, and actually have a chance to actually talk about it in any kind of uh, lighthearted or serious tones. Um, anyway, so with all that being said, um, I am Sean Orred, and joining me tonight is Chad uh, Bolted Eye Patch Evans. Yes, because a real man <laughs> quotes Shakespeare like none other. That's right, because that's what you do when you're a Klingon. In the original Klingon, 
Uh, that that may or may not re- reappear in this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, Cornelius, don't phaser my dinner, Logan. Actually, I was kind of pissed off about that, but, you know, it happens. It does happen. Uh, and yes, Corny is calling us from the inside of a bathroom underneath the ocean. Uh, and Sam, uh, who is and in a... that bathroom, we can put that bathroom in a box, <laughs> right. put that box in the ocean. <laughs> and we will hear that next week. Um, and Sam, dog, Sam, um, gracious, uh, gaseous anomaly vector. Oh, okay. Yes. 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 Well, as long as you shoot a, a, a missile at those gases, you should be fine. That's right. Um, and we, the tailpipe. Uh, so he's he's got to have a tailpipe. Um, <laughs> so he'll pull up the captain's chair. Put in the tailpipe. Uh, we'll we'll uh, pull up the good captain's chair and dive into this movie. So this is uh, Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country, um, viewed by most Star Trek fans as the third best film, followed by you know Wrath of Khan being one, and then First Contact being the second. Um, it's my personal favorite. I know it's not the best movie, but it's my personal favorite. Um, so I'll do the, the 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 bit as we always do at the beginning. Chad, I, you <laughs> as, know, as somebody's really... computer restarted. I don't know if it was mine or somebody else's, but there we go. It wasn't mine. I'm nope, still not good. mine. Uh, well, I got. I have an old Dell that's literally dying. Uh, over there, I might have to go like throw it away or something while we record. Uh, Chad, <laughs> well, you know what'll fix that? Yes, a hammer. Chad. Okay, good. Um, you know, I never actually saw this movie from beginning to end. I always saw, like, little bits and pieces of it. Like, the part, like, the uh, the the part where Kirk and McCoy go to go to prison and, and the fight scene in there, and then the very end. And that's about it. That's all I can really remember. But uh, so this will be my first viewing from beginning to end, and I'm I'm kind of with you, Sean. I really like this film. Um, um, of course, you know I did when when they came over and they said, you know, this is the undiscovered country, or the is it undiscovered country? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was like, ah, they named them. They they did the the title in the yeah 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 <laughs> like, ah yeah. A couple times, I believe. Yeah, a couple of times. They do yeah. say it several times throughout the film. Yeah. So, um, you know, my my initial impression was like I, I liked it as far as Star Trek Star Trek goes. Uh, corny. Yeah. Um, let's see. <laughs> the last time I saw this was with you, actually. I think um, a while back, and uh, I think I think I was coming over at random times when we were watching one Star Trek movie a week. Or every other couple of days. I don't know. Either way, but um, that that sounds like something we would have done. Yes. Yes, uh, and I, I'm kind of along the same lines. This is probably ever since then. I haven't watched it. I mean, I haven't watched it since then. That was some years ago, and um, I, I guess I'm reminded of the fact that I did like this film, uh, and I and I forgot where I ranked it because I think we've done that before. But uh, I think it was pretty high up on on my list. And um, you know, I have to say that. Uh, Undiscovered Country for Old Men and uh, Javier Bardem. I think it was a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's creepy. Yeah, he put a bolted eye patch to his face, and he's real creepy. Uh, Sam? Uh, I'd never seen the film before. I think the only time I'd really seen a Star Trek film was when you sat me down and made me watch... Um, it was Wrath of Khan. Was, I think, yeah, it was Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Um, Other than, then, obviously, Into Darkness, yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm not counting the new ones, because now that I've seen two... 
old Star Trek movies, the new ones are are definitely more Star Wars yeah. than Star Trek. It, it's there's, a different tone. A it's doubt. a different feel. And yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, I I enjoyed it. I wasn't overjoyed. Um, it was interesting. Um, I just think there's something about the. I love the dystopian science fiction science uh, mm-hmm. space movies. You know, with Star Wars and and uh, and uh, Serenity slash Firefly things like that. I don't know. They just seem to to appeal to me more than the almost what you'd almost call it utopian um, space uh, uh, films. So it was fun. It was interesting. Um, I, I I just I have a hard time getting past uh, William Shatner's acting. Um, and I I told you before the podcast started. You know, I was not going to talk like. Shatner tonight, um, and that got on my nerves. I, 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 the redeeming quality of this film really is Leonard Nimoy. I mean, he mm-hmm. he brings a presence to Star Trek that uh, it's just like it's like listening to a father figure. It, it's pretty amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's decent. It's a decent film. It's yep. there, there, there. There's definitely parts of this film that are uh, they're a little silly. Yeah, Our, yeah. Uh, you know, you could tell some of the old '60s ideas. You know, the the hippieish type of uh, um, corny type of things. Not corny, as in our corny. Yeah, just kind yes, of just some cornier elements to that universe were were definitely around in this a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. How about you, Sean? What do you think? Well, before I say that, I'm going to do this. Star Trek Six. The Undiscovered Country. On the eve of retirement, Kirk and McCoy are charged with assassinating the Klingon High Chancellor and imprisoned. The Enterprise crew must help them escape to thwart a conspiracy aimed at sabotaging the last best hope for peace. That's right. So that's what the movie's (laughs) about-ish. So so now my turn, right? Okay. Um, uh, I watched this this summer. Uh, when um, I, I actually, I get these emails from StarTrek.com and it was like, on Amazon, get the whole Blu-ray set at 65% off. So I said, okay. Because I owned the DVD director's cuts. So I was like, well, I got to have the Blu-rays. Um, though <laughs> though Paramount's kind of, they're kind of jerks about this. Um, they didn't release the Blu-rays with the director's cuts. So... Now we got to wait like another couple of years and then they'll release the director's cut on Blu-ray. It's 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 kind of annoying, but So what we watched on Netflix is that the director's cut? No, that was the I theatrical cut. There's a couple of little things that are different. There's one scene that I captured. I literally pulled out my DVD and put it in cuz I wanted you to hear this one line. Um but they didn't put in the the this release the DVD slash the release that's on Netflix because they felt it was a little uh, offensive. Oh, um, so interesting. yeah. So we'll talk about that. Once I play the clip, it'll be part of it. Um, so I have seen this movie recently. I can't tell you how many times I've actually watched it. I don't, it, it's gotta be in the twenties, uh, at least. Um, so yeah, I, I, what I feel about it, you're going to hear about for the next hour. So I'm not going to really go too much more into that. Um, but I do want to talk about the basic premise of the story and the 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 um, the allegory that is what is happening. This movie was made, written right after the crash of 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 the civil of the civil war of of communism, <laughs> the Cold yeah, War. Is what I was trying yeah, to say. you could definitely tell. 
And that was, that was a big thing. That was a big, um, that was a big deal, obviously, that, that happened. But so what Star Trek did was they said, well, we'll do the same thing. We'll have the Klingon, because that's, that's what they are. They're, the Klingons are basically the Soviets, and that's how they were kind of envisioned as these honor-bound kind of militaristic people who, who's, you know, 90% of their budget goes to the military, you know? So when, you know, communism crashed, they said, well, we'll have the same thing and we'll have them basically do the same, the same thing. You know, one of the things that they actually credit the, the start of the decline for the Soviets was Chernobyl, the accident Chernobyl. And so what do they do? They have a planet blow up, an energy production facility blow up, causing a natural disaster. And as a result, the, the Klingon Empire has got 50 Earth years left uh, of life. So uh, I thought that was actually really clever how they tied. And that was something that Star Trek was really good at, was tying real-life scenarios into to their, their storytelling. Um, I'll never forget there's an episode of Enterprise um, that actually kind of takes was happening in the Middle East right now when you have like the Shiites and the, the other ones <laughs> that hate each other. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody. Sunnis and the Shiites. Yeah, we lost Sam. We're just going to keep talking though. Um, apparently Skype is just not his friend tonight. Where they have like, like they believe one thing, like they both believe the same concept, but like one is just like different by a small detail. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Chad? Yes. So they do an episode like that where basically um they uh they they kind of make that comparison where like these this one race of aliens believe that the the universe was created in 9 days and the other group believe it was created in 7 days and they literally war over this fight over this fact. It's kind of funny in, in that way. Um so anyway, that's just uh that's just that. So yeah, um, I'm sorry. Sam, you back? Yep, I'm here. Okay, good. Well, um, so this movie was directed by Nicholas Meyer. This was his second Star Trek. He did uh, Wrath of Khan. Um, so they're like, well, we definitely need to bring you back to kind of end the franchise because, you know, you did so well with Wrath of Khan. We want you to do this. And so... Um, which, which number was this, by the way? This one was six. So, so there were six of the original cast of what we kind of referred to as the old series or the original cast. So there was the first one, uh, which was just called The Motion Picture. And mm. and that one was... Sucked. We, it, it wasn't good at all. It's not. Uh, basically what happened was Star Wars comes out and they're like, whoa, we need to make a movie and do that. But instead of doing that, we're going to do something really boring and not fun at all. Um <laughs> So then they brought in Nicholas Meyer to kind of save the franchise, and he directed the second movie, having never seen Star Trek, knew nothing about it. He thought it was kind of a naval kind of a thing. That's why they have militaristic kind of uniforms, and and in the movie, same if you remember, you know, they, they kind of broadside each other as naval ships would have, and yeah. stuff like that. So, so that's kind of the same concept, you know. Is even this? He takes those kind of militaristic um, naval kind of warfare and sticks it into this movie. So, but (laughs) something it's interesting, I think to think about with this movie, the new, the two new star Treks, do you think that they had any kind of limited budget? I mean, 
You know what I'm saying? Like and they were probably they were given a blank check by Paramount. I'm sure. Pretty much. I think like the first one was like a ninety million dollar movie, and the second one was like a hundred and ten million dollar movie budget. Yeah. Right. Right. When they were making this one, they had a thirty million dollar budget. And it, and and it, it kind of blows me away. It's go wait a minute, Paramount. This is like one of your flagship franchises, and so all through the trivia is all these things. And in the director's cut, I listened to the uh, director's commentary. They're talking about all these things that they had to do to cut corners. There's like a whole opening scene that they wanted to do that they couldn't because of the budget. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because I think if they would have kept that that original opening scene of him gathering up all the original folks to to come back on this final mission mm-hmm. or whatever i think that final moment of of them uh, you know of them kind of going off into the sunset makes more sense does that make sense it it does uh it still works without that scene um but i just thought it was so strange um for those of you that didn't read the trivia and i'll 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 read it later um but well, or I can just tell you now. Basically, what happens is is that the original, what happens is like Spock says to Kirk, this is what we need to do. And Kirk says, fine. And so I got to go get the, I got to go get the band back together. And so he's got to go, he goes and sees Chekhov who's playing, he's, you know, he's playing a computer in chess and winning. And he got, he goes and sees Ohura who is our radio DJ. And he goes and finds, um, ooh, 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 I know he goes and finds Scotty who's, uh, Who's the you know Mater D at some really really fun restaurant, <laughs> and then they've got to go and find um, you know Mr. Fabulous and 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 the other ones, and they get the band back together, and then they go off and they play oh Sweet uh, Sweet Home Chicago. That's right. That's more or less <laughs> accurate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but they couldn't do it because of the budget. The scene when they're all sitting around the board table, you know, and and they're all kind of in that circle, whatever, that conference circle, whatever. That was in a buddy's church. Like, that was in the fellowship hall of some church, and they just used pipe and drape to decorate the space because they couldn't afford, like, an actual conference room. What? Yeah. Like, that's that's the kind of, like, that, that kind of blows me away. It's like, you're Star Trek. Like, just write a check. But you, you, they couldn't. So I just thought that was really funny. Um, Would have uh, been a Star Trek? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, it's you a lose. fail with a ph yeah <laughs> um anyway so there was a lot of that kind of stuff happening which was really strange um um i i did i did take a lot of notes on this one um i i always thought it was weird that when they're all walking into that 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 scene one scotty says i just bought a boat and they've established many times that they don't use money in the future you're, everyone just you just have a job, and then that job just you just that takes care of you and your family. Like you don't there's no there's no more there's no more money. People are not motivated by financial gain. Um. And then McCoy says, "Where's Sulu? Like he's been gone a year as a captain, and you don't know that, aren't you guys all pals?" But I thought that was a a weird way to just let us remind no, us. No, I I thought that might have been. It didn't uh, Takei and and. Shatner have a falling out many years ago at this point. And I thought maybe that was, they just didn't want to be in the same room together. No, no, that, oh, okay. that, that, those things happened long before this. That was like during the original tapings of like in the sixties. 
Okay. Um, and then even when they first started doing the movies, there was still a lot of heat between the two of them. But it was basically just like, we'll 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 deal with each other for the fans and for a paycheck. Um, but no, that had nothing to do with that. It was um, basically they just they wanted to have one that ship back into it because they had they brought that ship in at the in the in the third movie, and the fourth movie. Um, and then they wanted to, I think they just wanted to have Sulu do something else other than just pilot the ship. <laughs> um, Kim Cattrall, what's your thoughts? Was, is she attractive? Is she a hot Vulcan or no? She's horrible looking as a Vulcan. A- anybody else? Uh, there's your drain. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to allow it. We, we can't hear it, Corny, because <laughs> you're muted. So There it is. There, okay, there it is. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think she kind of pulled it off. I, I I couldn't tell if like I was attracted to her or not, which is weird. I guess it means I'm probably not, but it's like, are you hot or no? I can't tell. Um, but here's <laughs> it might have been the wardrobe, just the just the uniform itself. It's kind of like it's kind of like the, the the uniforms at Disney World. Like mm-hmm. even the most attractive girl looks horrible in a Disney World uniform. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I don't know. I just whatever. Okay, let's like, let's let's do this. What if she was in? What was she if she was in Deanna Troy's uniform? Oh, the camel toe. Yeah, I don't know who. What Deanna Troy was the counselor in the Next Generation. It was basically a spandex onesie. Oh, yeah. I was they, like, that's, we don't even call that a uniform. It was just paint. Basically, paint. yeah. It was. It was. It looked uncomfortable, and she wore it for like eight seasons. So, <laughs> um. The 80s. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it was a different time. Oh. It was a different time. Oh, there it is. What was that, Chad? It was a different time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I now have that forever. It was a different time. So, there you go. <laughs> Pretty soon, yeah, now you have to we'll have all of Chad's trademark uh, sayings, and, and he won't even have to participate anymore. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get the uh, I'll allow it, I don't allow it, and uh, and it was a different time. And then Jack can just take a vacation, and no one would know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm just teasing, Cat. Of course, we want you on. We would. We need your. We need your quips. You are the best part of the show, after all. Yeah. Um. There you go. So Keep I your fan mail to uh, Cheap Seat Reviews at. Uh, oh no! What was it? <laughs> gmail dot com. Yeah, you're good. Oh, gmail dot com. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Keep sending your fan mail. I appreciate it. I read it. So, so this is our second. <laughs> this is our second Christopher Plummer sighting. Nobody? Okay. Oh, okay. What? Um. Oh, I, I was expecting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, else. I was waiting for the train to go by. I was pretty loud. Oh. Yes. We saw him in Sam. Christopher Plummer. You have no Back idea. To the who, we have. God, I can't, I, it amazes me after 57 episodes that you were still bad at this. <laughs> like, I can't, I, I no longer can tell if you're doing it on purpose or if you sincerely don't remember actors' names. I don't. I'm horrible. I'm horrible. You might as well be Joe Pesci. Christopher Plummer, who played the dad in The Sound of Music, was the... Oh! Imp- <laughs> he was the... Who's, imp- the, who's Doc? What's Doc's name? Who's Doc? Yeah, and Back to the Future. Uh, Christopher Lloyd? Lloyd! Okay. (laughs) 
because those two actors are Lloyd. very similar. Lloyd. <laughs> Who, oddly enough, he, he plays a Klingon in Star Trek Three. Awesome. Yes. See? He's actually the best part of that movie. Anyway. <laughs> um, I can't believe you. Christopher Plummer. <laughs> like, Oscar-nominated Christopher Plummer. Um, okay. He played the dad in the Von, you know, Von Trapp dad, and he was also the emperor in Star Crash. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, that wasn't uh, Doc at all. No, no, it was not. <laughs> I tried to, uh, you know... Push hey. Star Crash out hey. of my brain. Hey, hold on now. Star Crash was it was a it was a fine piece of work. <laughs> well, fine piece of work. So yeah, a fine piece of again. something. Okay, fine. Um, uh, I just I wrote down our second Christopher Plummer appearance, and he's a badass because he has an eye bolt, an eye patch bolted to his face. Um, so there you go. Um, we uh, well, I'm not gonna get to my clips yet. Um. <laughs> Did you guys notice? Sorry, as I'm reading my notes, did you guys notice that this movie felt like they were going to film it in 3D? You know, like you know, when the scene when there's there's zero gravity, like they're pointing the phasers at at the oh camera. Oh God! And, the blood that the, that blood was so bad looking. It was it was so bad. It's looking. Klingon blood. Well, I mean, I I understand it's, it's a different color because they're. It was a aliens, different time, right? You know, so. But the the blood looked cartoonish. Well, it was CG. This was the first CGI. This was the first Trek film to use CGI. Um, yeah. And and clearly they hadn't quite figured it out yet. Um, oh, yeah, clearly. And the, the gushing blood coming from the stomach. Yeah. It, you know, looked yeah. like a lava lamp. It it kind of yeah, it it looked a little silly and a little cartoony. And the real funny thing is if you guys happen to watch this on your nice brilliant high def screens or or your iPads with Retina, um, you, you might have noticed that during the weightless scenes, you could see the wires. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Because when they, obviously when they filmed this, they knew that they would have video reproduction, but it would be on VHS. Well, film and grain of VHS tape, you know, hides a lot of flaws. And now we're watching it in, I'm watching this on my Blu-ray player downstairs on my high-def TV, and I'm like, and there's the wire. There's the rope that pulls the gun out, and it, like you can see all these little things. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. It's because. But back then they had no idea we'd be watching. This oh, stuff absolutely. In HD. Yeah, absolutely. There was no way you, know, you got to give them so. a bit of a benefit of a doubt. And, and I'm, I don't want to. You know, I'm not defending them just because I, I like the movie or I don't like the movie. But you know, Goonies, for goodness' sake, wasn't considered to be a high def type of movie either. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and and so now when you watch Goonies in high def, uh, sloth makeup looks kind of bad. Yeah, oh yeah, you know that eye looks real weird. Because um, <laughs> I remember being a kid, like that that guy's real, like that's that's the way he looks. Yeah, and, and now I look at it and go, oh, good job, uh, special effects department. Um, there was, again, some of the other really great things I thought was going on in the movie is obviously you have some pretty good foreshadowing happening, you know, when Spock is talking to uh, Valeris in his, off, in, his, in his quarters making that whatever alcoholic beverage they were drinking together. <laughs> uh, when he, but they had this line, which I thought was great. Why keep it in your quarters? It's a reminder to me that all things end. Which, of course, is super appropriate because this is the last movie of the franchise, of their franchise. Um, 
Uh, so the, we kind of had all these little hints. So even if like in 1991, if you didn't know this was happening, then they're trying to they're they're trying to let you know it's going to happen before you just end, you know. But I think I think in 91, I think we all knew this. This was that was going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, I also wrote, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure punching him isn't how you do CPR. <laughs> That's how you. Well, maybe with a Klingon, maybe maybe their rib cage is so strong. Maybe I don't know. And they got that. He got that armor on. You know, maybe. Yeah. I didn't and think it was the, the bubbling, gurgling, uh, pink blood. Do you know why it was, it was pink? Why? The only reason why it was pink was to prevent them from making the movie rated R. Really? Because there was there was a lot of blood in that scene. I I figured it was uh, it was just something weird, you know. Well, we, if, we they had established that Vulcans have green blood long ago. Yeah. Um, but they had never really established that Vulcans that Klingons have pink blood, so they just they just made it pink because they knew if they made it red. That the the, uh, the 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 MPAA whatever they'd go nuts and make it a rated R film. Huh, interesting. That's, that's why they made it pink. I mean, it's it looked like Pepto Bismol. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> uh, what would I write? Very red on my end. Do what really? Yeah, it did actually. Hmm. Actually, I was talking to a coworker tonight, and they were making the same comment, and I was like, oh, "It looked pretty red to me." So, I mean, obviously, it must have either the TV that I watched it on, or I'm just uh, hallucinating. One of the two. Well, yeah. So, was, no, was the dress think... black and uh, black? No, and blue, the, we are not bringing that up. We're not going there <laughs> <laughs> because it was black and blue. Um, no, it was tan and gold. No, was... Anyway, um, tan your gold. One of the, uh, anyway, so so that was that. I thought that was kind of you're right. That was silly. One of the cool things though that they did in that scene, you know, when they had the two Klingons that are floating, and the guys shoot them and they go flying back to the back of the room, you know, what they did was they built that hallway on a gimbal, and so the hallway was vertical, and they were attached to harnesses, and they just pulled them up instead of back to kind of give them that weightlessness. Anyway, just huh. uh, again, I watched the director's commentary, so that's how I know all these little things. Um. So something that I learned from that scene, yeah, is that if you really want to, de- if you really want to, you know, cripple the Klingon, just take away their gravity, right? And they're just they're like they're useless. I, That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. I I always thought it was interesting because in all of the other space movies that we've seen, this is the only time that this is ever an issue. You know, and of course, the reason why it's an issue is because it's a plot point. They need the the bad guys, the assassins, to be wearing gravity boots. Um, but you know, like it, it never happens in any other movies, any other space battles. You know, like Battlestar Galactica, they never lose gravity. Yeah. Serenity never loses gravity. You know, it's like. But in a way, I, I I do like that about Star Trek that they they try to ground some of the science. Oh yeah. So obviously, if your ship is getting pounded and you hit it in the right spot, whatever's a, Creating artificial gravity will be affected. Oh yeah, I mean, there's that 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 physical thing has to live somewhere on the ship, and it just got happened to get hit in you know in that scene. Yeah. So again, obviously, it's it, 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 they use that to to drive the plot forward. But anyway, um, I I also thought all right, some more great lines from uh, Spock. We volunteered. There is an old Vulcan proverb: only Nixon could go to China. That's right. Even the Vulcans know about Chinese and American trade negotiations from the 1960s. Um, thought that was great. Um, 
What? Oh, okay. So, you know how in... Uh... No, I don't. Any, who, who here watched Battlestar Galactica? I started it, didn't finish it. I, I've only seen I watched like, half of it. I've only seen like two seasons. Um, yeah. You know, they have paper still in that series, but it's all different and weird. I just... I thought it was so strange that there was so much paper in the... Your dog is killing me tonight. Um, <laughs> she I, won't leave me alone. I, 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 I thought it was strange that there was so much paper in this movie. It's like... Can... He's using flip charts. I just thought that was in a little. What? But he's using a laser pointer, so that's what makes it futuristic. I just <laughs> thought it was so weird. I guess because I work in conference AV now, it's like, okay, we we're supposed to be in the twenty third century. We don't use flip charts now anymore. But I guess in ninety one, it's they're like, well, there people will still be using flip charts either that or they didn't have the budget to create a PowerPoint presentation or something. <laughs> I just thought it was so weird. Anyway, um, and that guy was ready to go with that, that laser pointer. He was awesome. Um, I did, Chad, I will say this, just because of I watched this movie right after that whole stupid blue black dress thing. So I said, I wrote down the ailing that Kirk is fighting. Is he blue or is he white? Um, <laughs> I'm not asking the actual question. I just, I wrote it in my notes because oh, I thought that it was, was, that was rhetoric. Okay. Yeah. Did you guys notice, uh, Sam, you wouldn't because you don't know who anybody is uh, in Hollywood, but did you guys notice Christian Slater in the movie? I did notice Christian I Slater. Did. I did not. He, oh, really? He's the For guy. For like that, a split second. Well, he's the guy that wakes up. He did uh, for a couple seconds. No, well, yeah. Yeah, four. He has like two lines. He's the guy that woke up Sulu, Captain Sulu. He says, sir. Star- oh, yeah. Starfleet's looking for the Enterprise. We have no idea where they are. Uh, excuse me, sir? You have a hearing problems, mister? That guy. His mom was the casting director, so that's how he got on Star Trek. Oh. Hollywood is very insane. incestuous. Do what? Wasn't he the young Indiana Jones? <laughs> was that your dog saying what? Please <laughs> <laughs> capture that. Uh, that's literally what it sounded like it happened. You said something ridiculous, like Christian Slater was the young Indiana Jones, and she said, what? No, he was not the young Indiana Jones. Oh. That was River Phoenix. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it was an actual man's name. His name was River Phoenix. He died when he was very young over co- of, that, co- of cocaine. Is that one of, now, the serious question, is DiCaprio a brother of, of River, River Phoenix? No. No. Did they have any movies together? I don't think so. Why do I always think they, that they're related somehow? They look alike. Maybe that's why you, we, no, we've we've seen River Phoenix on this this podcast. He for was what? Yeah. he was the kid in sneakers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you can have anything in the world. I want her number. Yep. You can have anything. Oh, but I was saying earlier. Uh, speaking of seeing people, um, Michael Dorn uh, yeah. shows up in this movie. Yeah, sounding like Worf, but not Worf. No, he is Worf. No, he's, he not, he's not the Worf. He's Worf. He's the father of Worf. God almighty, Sam. He's Worf's grandfather. Michael Dorn is his own grandfather? Yep. Yes. I'm out. I can't do this. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> he also wasn't a very good lawyer. <laughs> he's a terrible lawyer. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only thing that he was able to do is prevent them from getting the death penalty. Um, <laughs> he actually so didn't my... do that. Here's here's my question. Okay. In this 
in in Soviet Russia, mm-hmm. would you have had a fair trial? No. In Soviet so, Russia, you try trial. Trial tries, you know. Um, so in this in this uh, parallel, if you will, mm-hmm. in this Klingon court, why even give a a defense attorney? Why not just say, you know what, you're being tried here. Here's the evidence against you. Hey, look, it's all really bad. Hey, we sentence you to death, but we're not going to because you're Kirk and McCoy. Well, the reason why they do that, and I think this is, I think this is the reason why, you, you, getting away from the directors, whatever, you have to assume that if the Klingons just say you did it, we're not going to have any kind of evidence. We're just going to say you, the, you're the two that just happened to come aboard our ship, so we're going to arrest you two and, and kill you. Then the Federation is going to go to war because there was no trial, at least with the pretend, even if a fake trial, which this was kind of was a fake trial, then then at least the Federation can't say boo hoo. You know, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Right. Okay. Here's the other thing about that is that when when you pan to pan back to the earth or wherever wherever they all are the the president and and his council there's there's a romulan there isn't there mm-hmm. i thought uh, we were at war with the romulans no by that point was that later uh the war had already ended by that and point Vul- vulcans and romulans are different right they are of the same heritage but they are different i'm going to get in trouble for this one but it's like how the Chinese and the Japanese are of the same heritage, but they're different. Does that make sense? Okay. Is that right? Is that accurate? Is that accurate to say? At least in all hate mail, too. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> okay, it's like how the British and the Australians are the same, but different. You know, like, they were, once, they were once one race, and then they went, and then the Vulcans that, that wanted to embrace emotions said, we're going to leave, and we're going to go over here. And and hang out over here, and so then the Vulcans uh, and Rommel, uh, actually on the on the moons of uh, of, of Mars, because that's the names of the. Or Miami. Miami. Moons over Miami, you know, Denny's delicious. <laughs> anyway, um, what is happening? I don't really know either, but same thing. It's hilarious. Thank you, Sam. Um, I know what you're talking about. I didn't get hey, it at all. Fat guy, I, I'm a fat guy, so. I understand food. What does humor. that have to do with Romulus or Remus? Huh? I understood <laughs> moons over Miami. Oh. <laughs> anyway, that was a really bad joke. Corner, you're down to negative two points now. It doesn't matter. I sound like crap on this thing. Yeah. 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 You, you, your microphone lost a point too. Um, oh. So anyway, so yes, to answer your question, yes, Sam, they were once of one people. Okay. So the reason why he's 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 just the ambassador too. Earth, um, and that's the guy from the that sixty show or seventy show. Red, yeah, he was the president Red. of the Federation of Planets. Was he Romulan? No, he was a he was he wasn't human, but he was the president. I'm so confused. Why are you confused? There's so many like people. There's like there's like or four races, I guess. There's like say. four in that room. I mean, yeah. There's a Vulcan. There's a Klingon. There's a human. There's the Romulan, and then there's whatever the president is. We don't know. Yeah. Um, it's but, a it's a white person's club, uh, sort of. 
Or what they call what they say? Admiral Cartwright, a Homo Sapiens only club. There you go. Um, (laughs) Even though the Federation isn't just that, that's unfair to her to say. Because a lot of the Federation, well, because you have the Andorians are part of the Federation. They're blue. They have antenna. Yeah, Um, but they look enough like. Well, so do the Klingons. They look they look just like humans. They just got wrinkly foreheads. Yeah, well, I mean, and bad teeth. Yeah, so who are we to judge? We're not. She's the one that judges. We're all human. Why are you judging? <laughs> I'm, the I'm not. I'm not. She's not the one art. that said the line. I mean, anyway. Yeah, but you're supporting her stance. No, I'm not. Anymore. She's the one that said it's a Homo sapiens only club. That's not a fair okay. line because not all of the people, the races that are in the Federation are Homo sapiens. They are humanoids, but they're not Homo sapiens. I'm, I'm assuming that Homo sapien is native to this planet. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's making it sound like the Federation is just humans. That's not true at all. There's so, like 130 other species that make up the Federation. So are you saying that, that it should be a Homo sapiens only club? I, I don't I'm not. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying her line is slightly inaccurate. But her point was is that the Federation is racist against us. Well, that was okay. the point of the line. I understood why she said it. That that you guys are racist, and that, and this is gets into, uh, which is I think which is great that Star Trek does is that it gets into issues of racism, you know, can, and and Corny and I have had this conversation definitely off air um, <laughs> about. Uh, about, You're gonna go there, aren't you? Uh, I don't really want it's okay, to. Okay, Sean, you can say nerve herder, man. That's, um, not that's not what I'm going to say. What, what I'm trying to say is that um, the I really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the idea that racism only works from the top down. Does that make sense? Anyone? Um, does, yes, no, yes, it does. You know, only white people. I'm going there. Only white people can be racist against blacks. Mexicans, anybody else, because white people, for the most part in the, of the history of the planet, especially Western civilization, we've always had the power. But mm-hmm. people beneath, but people, not beneath us, that's oh, not what I'm trying to say. Oh, 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 but, oh. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but blacks, Mexicans, whatever, <laughs> cannot be racist against us. So you're saying it's okay to be racist if you're... No, stop it, stop no. it. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> do, do not do that. Uh, not even in the pretense of being funny. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> The point that I'm saying is, is that it's the, okay to be racist against Klingons. All yes, right, I'm going to move on past this because clearly I can't have a serious conversation about this. So, um, I thought it was... I, I get what you're saying, Sean, because um, you're right. We did have this conversation before, and the, the idea a lot of people have the idea that it, you know, you can only be racist if you've been doing well in life for a majority of, of you know the history of a place. That, that's actually, I mean, we all know that that's not the point of racism. Racism is just uh, having an, a, a pretty much um, nonsensical reason to hate a people based on solely what they look like. Um, and then there could be a, a backstory or one person of a certain race did something to make you hate the entirety of that race. But uh, just the idea that, you know, whites can only be racist against blacks, is, I, I think it's just... We've gotten to the point of where that's a thing, and I think it's stupid. But you know, it's neither here nor there. Right. That was the point I was trying to make. Thank, thank you for clarifying that, uh, Corny. That makes perfect sense now. Anyway, 
I hate you, Sam. That's what it boils down to. <laughs> the other thing is that, um, is that the, and I'm glad you said it that way, Corny, because it it, it ties him back to the movie that Kirk hates Klingons because a Klingon soldier killed his son. You know, is that fair to hate the whole race? No, and he admits it that he's become so prejudiced against them that he was willing to let a whole species die just to get his revenge. And he realizes that in the movie, he has that realization that I'm wrong and that in order for me to, to get past this, we're all going to have to become better. And that's, again, what makes this movie, I think, so good is that they're tackling these issues. In 91, we had race issues back then, you know, now, obviously, we are having different types of race issues. And when did the Rodney King thing happen? Ninety-two, maybe. Yeah, ninety-two or ninety-three. Wow. It was a little after this. Um, so, again, just the movie was being smarter than I thought. I think most people would even give it credit for us because you know you just look at it as it's just a space movie, and then then you have these kind of moments where like, wow, gosh, yeah. I mean, Kirk. Now, in fairness, Kirk uh, William Shatner. The line where he says, let them die, he actually kind of, in, in, while they were filming, he actually kind of makes a, he called it a motion of him just saying, forget what I just said kind of a thing, you know? Like, I didn't mean that. And the director cut that part out. Um, and Shatner got pissed off at, the, at him for that. Um, and they actually, they, they, got it, they had words, needless to say, about it. But I, I think it actually makes the scene better, personally. Um, I did think this Silly was, actors. I did think this line was pretty great. Um, if I can find it, is this right? An ancestor of mine maintained that if you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. So he is saying that one of two things. He's either saying that. Actually, this is what he's saying, that on his earth inside of his, of his whatever, his, his ancestor was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who invented Sherlock Holmes, who, who invented that phrase. So, good job. Spock is related to Sherlock Holmes. I like it. Cool. Well, no, he just said that he had an ancestor who said that. Right. He could have just had an ancestor who read... No, maybe, that might be true. Maybe he just he read it and then just <laughs> said it all the time, and then that's just you know. Of course, I mean the, we've got we've got. Go ahead, Chad. Boy, Skype is on target tonight. Boy, goodness, yeah. What the heck is going on? Are you out of your Vulcan mind, <laughs> <laughs> Chad? Vulcan. Oh God, no! It's taking bad. <laughs> we lost Chad. In the middle. Hey, how are you? Hey, there, there he is. is. I was like talking for like a good, you know, forty-five seconds. <laughs> I mean, you were gone, man. This episode. We the... were actually looking forward to whatever you were going to say. Yeah, what were you saying, Chad? It's too bad. <laughs> it's too bad. It's not like he can't repeat it. <laughs> oh, we were. What was the last thing that I said? I don't. Remember. You didn't even start talking. Uh, Sir oh, Arthur Conan Doyle. You oh, said Sir there Arthur are Conan some. Doyle. Yeah, you, it was like you know. The whole thing is full of Shakespeare, you know, Klingon speaking fluent Shakespeare, you know, in the native Klingon tongue. Right. You no, know, but I'm pretty sure they lose something in translation there. there, there might, uh, we don't know because according to him, the future. The 
Hamlet, Act Three, Scene One. You have not experienced Shakespeare until you have read him in the original Klingon. That's right. Um, so was Shakespeare Klingon? No. I'm no. so. Why? Okay. What? Nothing. It's not an important point. Okay. You so can... here's another thing. Okay. If the if the Klingons are so ver- well versed on Shakespeare, which was an 18th or 19th century, you know, poet laureate, mm-hmm. but yet they have no idea of 20th century, 20th century uh, Hitler, American, no, Earth history. I, I I don't know. I I, I mean, yeah, especially being such a, a militaristic society, they they should know military history of all sorts. I guess I don't know. I didn't know if because when he calls when he says Earth Hitler nineteen forty thirty nine, and he says I beg your pardon. I didn't know if that was a what did you just say? As in I don't know what you're referring to, or as in did you just compare me to Hitler? <laughs> I think that was a did you just say what I think you said? Yeah, I think that's more like what it was. I beg your pardon. Did you just compare me to Hitler? Hitler did not have this cool mustache. Okay. Um, <laughs> nor was he bald, uh, or have an eye patch bolted to his face. Um, anyway, um, I don't know. I, 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 it made for some good lines, um, why they were versed so well versed and I thought it was a little heavy handed myself. Um, okay. What is happening? Hello. Do you guys hear that? that noise? Hi. <laughs> Chad. I'm going to hang up with you, Chad. What? I didn't do anything. You sound like uh, Megatron now. <laughs> Man, what is happening? It's, it's he's Ant Man tonight. <laughs> Jeez, this weird. What happened? Well, you're still there. You were I'm... buzzing like a bug. Yeah, man. Like it was like I don't know what was happening. It, it was literally buzzing like a bug. You sounded like yeah. It actually sounded kind of like you were rubbing a balloon against your microphone. <laughs> This get... episode is awesome. Right. I mean, <laughs> technical issues abound, and none of them are me. Yeah, um, well, that's that's different tonight. Yeah. That's for sure. Corny's microphone and Skype for Sam and Chad. So, um, jeez. <laughs> uh, speak, but more on the point of the whole Klingons uh, uh, are Russian, did you guys notice that when they went to the prison planet, which is a very Star Trek thing to do, have a whole planet devoted to one idea? Um, that's a very Star Trek thing. That they call it the Gulag. This is the Gulag Repente, which is like Russian for prison. And, you know, like they hmm. like the, like they're they're being very deliberate. Like this, these are Russians. Klingons are Russians. Um, that th- I think probably even in the listening station, you know, that whole bit, um, the guy was probably drinking vodka for all I know. Now, that listening station brings me to my the my biggest issue with the movie. Okay. Um, the you know the part where they're trying they're flying through Klingon space. First of all, the Klingons have a listening station that doesn't have sensors enough to say, "Hey, that's a Federation ship." You know, like we're not we're we're in a they're essentially in a cold war with each other. You'd think they'd have better technology. Okay, that's issue one. Issue two, when he hails them, Ohura, the don't you think that the communications officer on a ship would be able to speak the language of the enemy well they fixed that in the new in the reboot right absolutely they did i just 
I thought that scene was, I mean, it was supposed to be funny, but it, it literally pisses me off every time I watch it because it's not funny. It's, it, I'm now looking at that going, Nicholas Meyer, what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, during World War II, communications officers, if you were in the Atlantic, also probably spoke German and French. And if you were in the Pacific, probably also spoke Japanese. In case there was any kind of cross-wire communication, you can go, oh, hey, they're also, I can hear, I understand what they're saying. It just seems so strange that mm -hmm. if you're the communication officer, you should be able to speak the language of essentially the enemy. Um, and the fact that they used books. So Chekhov, you hear this voiceover in the background. We can't use the, we have to respond personally. The universal translator will be recognized. Okay. Why can't you use the computer to translate the incoming audio? Right? Yeah. So use your dumb book scene to find words to say back. But the computer can still translate. So again, the, <laughs> the scene is supposed to be funny, but it actually literally makes me angry every time I watch it. Because <laughs> it's dumb. It's, it's a dumb scene. And the fact that they sent some poor schmuck down to the library to bring up all these translation books... I mean, there was like a hundred books there. Don't you need like three? Anyway. <laughs> but again, it's a funnier scene, I guess. Anyway, whatever. You know, English to Spanish, Spanish to French, French to... I mean, we have Google Translate now. <laughs> I mean, you know? Anyway. Before that, we had Babblefish. Uh, Babblefish? Yeah, I remember, you know, remember Babblefish. Babble no, I don't. Nice. <laughs> I don't remember that. Nice, Chad. I, I, rem I remember this, that... though. It was a different time. So, there you go. I'm, I'm going to play that like every week, Chad. just want you to know that. So, great. at the Gulag mm -hmm. planet, right? Yep. You've got these, the, the, the guards well, Australia. with... Australia. Australia. Yeah. The You've got the okay. guards with the, the attack animals. Yes. Right? You're going to make me play it, aren't you? Those, well, first of all, i got to say the character design for those animals was a little... I don't know. It, yes, you want to show teeth to make it look really nasty, but I don't think that poor thing could close its mouth. Well, Does that make sense? Well, sure, but it, when that when you look up and that thing's growling at you, it looked pretty menacing. And, you know, when Kurt got to be good friends with one of those and, <laughs> and you know, they're trying to make their escape and the guard takes the dog from him, or the, what looked like a dog, and, uh, you know, he got really upset when they they started threatening to shoot his dog, did you did you capture that clip? No, I didn't. You didn't. <laughs> nope. Not gonna play it. You can't make me either, because you live in Hickory and I'm in Charlotte. Um, but but I did capture this. Thank God. Did you see the way they ate? Horrible table manners. I doubt that our own behavior will distinguish us in the annals of diplomacy. I'm gonna sleep this off. Please let me know if there's some other way we can screw up tonight. I'm going to go find a pot of black coffee. I just like how everybody has something to say about that dinner that they just suffered through. Nerf herder. That's right. Um, so that scene I was talking about earlier that they removed in the digital version and the Blu-ray version because it was a little offensive. So there's the scene where they they said we need to check the data banks because the the computer says that we fired the torpedoes. So they literally going down and they're in the storage bay and they're looking at they're checking their torpedoes. And 
Valeris comes down and says it was on the news. They're gonna there's gonna be a trial, and that Valeris or that um what's her face the 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 daughter has been named the chancellor, and Scotty literally says, "I bet you that clean on bitch killed her own father." And so th- th- therefore, you know, so it was a little offensive. So, and then he says her own father and she says, yeah, you know, it's a weird story. And he, Scotty says, take my word for it. She did not shed one tear. And then Scott and Spock says, well, they don't have tear ducts. So that doesn't mean anything, uh, which is a shame. If you don't have tear ducts, I mean, I guess you're having to use a lot of Visine or something. Um, so, so Spock does this ah, thing. Visine gets the red out, you know. Like Russians. There you go. There you go. You gain half a point. You're still down one and a half. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so they do this gag twice in the movie, which I thought was great. And they brought it back up in Star Trek 09, where she says, is that a lie? Because Vulcans can't lie. That's part of their DNA or whatever. They can't lie. And he, and he says, oh, it's a, something else. And then at the end of the movie, he says to her, was that a lie? And she says something. And then at the end of Star Trek uh, 09... Um, you know, he says, was that a lie? And he said, no, I implied. So I took all of them and mashed them into one clip. A lie? An error. A lie? An omission. A lie? A choice. I thought that was, I always like when they do stuff like that. I thought that was clever. Um, did we have a searching the ship montage? You know, I think we did. I think we did, too. There we go. You like that metal detector that they used that were looking for the blood? I thought that was pretty clever. You know, just get a metal detector and we'll just say we programmed it to clean on blood. Why not? Um, there you it's go. It's bright pink. You can't miss it. I know. I mean, all it took was Chekhov by himself using his little thingy to... Pick to find it. Sam, you still there? Yep. Okay, you've been quiet. Um, just, it's been nice. Oh, yeah. I'm still worried about that dog. That's <laughs> a shame. Um, thought this was a little kind of a I don't know if fun was the right word, but uh, I don't know what to say. Then we're dead. I've been dead before. Contact Excelsior. She'll have the coordinates. So, and saying, had you not seen Wrath of Khan, that line probably would not have made much sense to you. Or you probably forgot that he died at the end of that movie. From radiation posing. Yes. Yes. And then they go back and they try to find Spock and, and then, then pretty much undo everything that they did in Star Trek 2. Pretty much. Because and they literally because that was the plan they because when Nicholas Meyer was had planned on killing Spock off that was the, they thought that was the end of the franchise and then it actually made a lot of money and then the audience was like the, all all the, the letters thousands and thousands of letters poured in you got to bring him back so they made a movie called The Search for Spock which Leonard Nimoy directed and he didn't he didn't want that name for the title and he also put his name in or he put his picture. On the poster, he didn't want that either. He's like, no, I don't. I want there to be some kind of mystery to the end that they actually do find him. In fact, I thought it was really clever that they did at the beginning of the movie where it says William Shatner in the credits, and then there's a blank space where Leonard Nimoy's name should be, and then it says DeForest Kelly. Anyway. Um, uh, best Last two clips here. Best two lines of the movie. 
I am constant as the northern star. I'd give real money if he'd shut up. That still makes me laugh. And this one. I have orders from Starfleet Command. We're to put back to space dock immediately to be decommissioned. If I were human, I believe my response would be go to hell. If I were human. There you go. So that's all my You know clip. that would drive me crazy. What? That beeping in the background. The beep 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 right. Every clip you've played tonight has that beeping in the background, pretty yeah. much. Well, if you're on the bridge, there's lots of noises and that's just And a clock for some reason. Yo, know, the clock right over the, the over the view screen? Yeah, there's yeah. a clock there. There's a clock in the back of the ship. Yeah, there's, there's a clock everywhere. There's clocks everywhere. They, I, they kept making reference to the time in the movie, so I guess that's why they did it. Um, which I thought was really interesting because the torpedo attack was at 1 a.m. and everyone was awake. I'm like, why are you? Th- why is everyone awake at 1 a.m.? But anyway, um, yeah, no, you're right, Sam. I mean, there's that's just, but that's just the show. That's just the way it was. In the future, everything makes noise. It's just the doors open. Yeah, you know, yeah. It just it is what it is. You know, it's just it was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> uh, I, I only remember, now I don't know when you're be. pressing the button and when Chad actually says it. <laughs> it will be a different time. How about that? Uh, yeah, it will be. Supposedly, to takes place in the future. Yep. There you go. It was a different time. So. Tropes. Uh, Damn yep. it, which one is doing it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is great. Uh, tropes. Uh, yelling lawyers was a trope. Uh, the slow clap at the end. Um, overconfident bad guy who not only quotes, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, like the guy, he basically was monologuing long enough to let them build a torpedo out of scratch to blow let, him up. Let me tell you, that Klingon ship was a weak ship. Well, it got hit what three times before blowing up. Well, the other thing about that, I'm sorry, Sean, go ahead. Well, the the, the reason Sam legit actually is because when the ship is cloaked, it doesn't uh-huh. have shields. So it's literally, literally, it's literally. I'm saying like it's like whereas the Enterprise is getting. So hit is a, that why like that one shot went through the the Enterprise because the shields were down? Yeah, the, the shields finally had worn out, okay. and it blew through the Enterprise. That's why when. They hit that ship. It only took like four shots. It blew up because their shields were down. Because the, they can't have enough. There's not enough power in the vessel to cloak and shield have shields. Okay. Um, Do they say that in this movie? Not in this movie. They make the point, obviously, that clean on bird, the bird to prey can't fire while cloaked. And that's yeah. the same concept. There's not enough power in their reactor, so to speak, to fire their weapon. Target, target, use the targeting computer. Fire their weapons while being cloaked. Um, the, the technology wasn't there yet. Eventually, they bring that t- to be in the last movie, Nemesis, where they the whole sh- the whole fighting scene is between the Enterprise and a cloaked ship that can fire. Um, so, um, but we know this from Star Trek Three. The third one was the first time we see the cloaked ship, and we learn that you have to de decloak before they can fire. Um, now was the cloaking was that was that still in the in the original series was that was that a thing in the original series the the bird of prey was actually the Romulan ship it looked right. uh, it looked smaller 
but it was their cloaking device. Uh, their cloaking ship was the Romulans. And that was when the war was happening during that time. Okay. Um, and then the Klingons, when they kind of came to be, they um, they also had it. The the Federation actually has the technology to have a cloak ship. They just don't use it because they kind of deem it sneaky and underhanded. Um, it's kind of dumb. Uh, but they do. They did create. Um, now we're getting into real Trek lore. But they did have um, um, a ship that was cloak uh, cloakable um, in the Defiant. I think that's right. That was um, eventually uh, Worf's ship. Worf becomes the captain of that ship. Um, so anyway. Um, and then one real quick side note, Sam, you might find this mildly interesting, but the Enterprise C, this one was the Enterprise A, and then the, the C, they experimented with a quote-unquote cloaking device that would allow them to transport through matter. Okay. I remember that. It was I remember in, seeing that. Basically, they were testing it, and they were they were actually traveling through asteroids. And halfway through an asteroid, it failed, and it just reappeared in the middle of this giant asteroid. And, Ooh, yeah. That took place in uh, in a Next Generation, right? Yeah, and they, they that's not good. And, no, it's not. Um, yeah, <laughs> it sounds kind of painful. But they had, but if I remember right, they had to use that. To get everybody to get out of the asteroid. Yeah, they or had to, to get through an asteroid or something. Yeah, the Enterprise D got caught in that same asteroid. The Klingons or somebody were had blown, basically caved in the asteroid, so the ship is in the asteroid. They find the Enterprise C. They steal the technology, turn it on, and they use it to escape. Um. Anyway. Bum, 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 bum. So speaking of that, Sam, actually before that, I'm going to say Audible.com sponsored this show. Uh, you can check out them um, at Audible.com, AudibleTrial.com slash Cheap Seat Reviews and check out any other dozen of Star Trek novels and novelizations that have come out about these movies and just other Star Trek novels. They're all, I've not read a single one of them, but I've heard that some of them are actually pretty, pretty darn good. So speaking of Sam singing, the, sound, yes. the soundtrack of this movie... Oh, good Lord, that opening, Overture, whatever that was, was mm-hmm. amazing. Chad, any thoughts? Um, I liked it. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was right on. It was on point, as my kids would say. Nice. Uh, Corny, any thoughts, or are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, every time the little theme came through, it made me, made me happy. Um, I actually thought it was a, a pretty well done uh, score, considering uh, you know this is the sixth time they've gotten to do it. So, well, the um, so we're gonna I'm I'm dipping into trivia now. So I one I love this soundtrack. I own it. Um, I think it's great. It sounds great. The um, the guy that did it though was not kind of the normal dude. His name was Cliff Eld. Oops, hit the wrong button. His name was Cliff Eldman or something like that. Cliff Eldman. Edelman, and um, he has not. He hasn't done much. Uh, I mean, his, that his, one thing. I mean, his last film that he did was 1994, um, which was. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not true. Composer, uh, The Big Miracle. He's just not into that. Not into you. So he's done some recent stuff. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Oh. The Lizzie McGuire movie. Um. Oh, now, now you're talking about classics. I mean, Free Willy 3. You know, like... How many times are you going to free the whale? 
So and then he does this one. At least one. three oh, times. I'm glad he still the well. I was gonna say. <laughs> and before that, he had not really done much either. So basically, what it, see what had happened was, is that Nicholas Meyer wanted to have the the theme of the movie be very militaristic. Begin because of the theme of the movie. So he said to James Horner, "Hey, buddy, old pal, you helped me out in Star Trek II, and you did great. I want you to come back." And I want you to, uh, you know, work some magic. But I want you to make it sound like Mars from the Gustav Holtz Planet Suite. Oh, yeah. And Holtz said, no. Not Holtz. Uh, Horner said, <laughs> he said, no. I'm going to write my music the way I see fit for the show, for the movie. I'm not going to copy someone else's music. And they said, okay, you're not got the gig. And then they called up um, Jerry Goldsmith, who did Star Trek 1 and 5 and the Next Gen theme and Voyager and Deep Space Nine. And he said, nope, the fifth movie was so bad, I want no part of Star Trek anymore. Well, he said. And then obviously he later changed his mind and did the uh, seventh or the eighth movie and the ninth movie. So they got this kind of nobody because he was like, shoot, I'll do it. You know, what else? I, I got nothing else better to do. And uh, he nailed it. I think he nailed it. And. He clearly peaked with this movie. Um, so, and that's okay. Um, but I love the soundtrack. Uh, I th- that's great. Uh, I love that this, it has a militaristic theme to it. Um, but there you go. I already mentioned that. I already mentioned that. Frankie and Johnny, 1991 movie, was being filmed in the st- same studio and required Al Pacino to have a surprise expression on his face after opening a door. Director Gary Marshall arranged for Kirk and Spock to be on the other side of the door when he opened it. But that was kind of funny. Uh, this is one of the other little stories that I like that that kind of made me, you know, um, uh, endeared uh, Leonard Nimoy to me. After filming was through, one day nearing the end of production, Kim Cattrall posed nude for some steamy photos on the bridge set. Leonard Nimoy happened on scene and seized the film, destroying it and having the studio security toss the photographer out. I love that. Like, you in your weird nakedness, you are not going to deface the bridge of the Enterprise. You know, you know what I'm saying though. Like, you, we're not going to let you take something pure, so to speak. I mean, yeah, Kirk slept with every alien he can get a hold of. I'm not saying that there wasn't sex in the show, but we're not going to let you basically deface the 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 the, the bridge. But I just, I love that. I thought that was great. Um, uh, I already mentioned that. The design concept used for the explosion of the Klingon moon praxis would later be used in several other movies, such as Stargate, as well as the remastered versions of Star Wars 4, 5, and 6. This, would fex, it would, this effect would be later become known as the praxis effect. So even <laughs> Star Trek is making, you know you know, affecting Star Wars, which I thought was really great. Here's what I didn't understand with that, is the physics of the Praxis effect is after it exploded... Wouldn't it go in all directions, right? Wouldn't it go in all directions? Um, I mean, I know that they put it on a plane, and it goes in, you know, in a 360 degrees on one plane mm -hmm. um, for, you know, the effect... But wouldn't it? Well, wouldn't the physics of it go in all directions? Okay, imagine this is the best way I can explain it. 
as a as a this is not a Star Trek thing. This is a as a physics thing. Like if you had a balloon full of of water, and you poked a hole in it, right? And all of the water exploded. It's not going to explode. 300 and like completely around the, the, the sphere. It's not going to be a sphere of water. It's going to come out at that weak point, right? Right. Does that make sense? So that's why huh. the, the best way I can explain it is that's what happened. Basically, the planet blew in half, and the middle portion of the planet, when it blew out, created the, the yeah, that's where it created that donut effect. As because the planet didn't completely destroy itself, it wasn't like a complete implosion. Um, it wasn't like in start the the O nine movie where a, a star went supernova and all of it a hundred percent of it was growing 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 exponentially. Does that make sense? What I'm trying yes. to say. Um, that's the best way is is my mind could understand why it was happening. I thought the same thing, Chad, until they showed a picture of the exploded moon, mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. that was, and I was like, oh, okay, so it wasn't like the whole thing exploded; it was just parts right. of it. Well, that would suck to be on the non, or to be on the exploded part of that, right? Um, I don't know. It'd be pretty quick, I would think. I guess you're right. <laughs> you, probably, you probably wouldn't know what happened. Uh, you're just you're just there, and then you're not. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought that scene though was pretty cool, and the, the special effects I thought were actually pretty great. Well, especially with the sound, with the music. Oh yeah. How it kept building up to that, and then was, boom, yeah. And, yeah, that uh, was pretty cool. Now that you're right, that was pretty great. And, um. And Sulu with the teacup. That's right. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, oh, my. Oh, my. I gave this soundtrack grade an A for awesome. I just loved it. Uh, what Although, did... tell you the truth, I think I'd probably only buy that that opening overture. That, that's In what fact, I... I, I did already, by the way. Using a link from our website, cheapseatreviews.com, that... I uh, I bought that one track today. I, that's, that's what I have. I have the basically the ending credits. Uh, which has yeah. that that kind of Mars feel to it. Um, there was a lot of trivia in this one that I didn't capture or or, or put down just because a lot of it seemed kind of made up. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, like these 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 guys had an argument on set because they didn't like fish or something. Like it was real dumb. So I didn't. There's a lot that I didn't put in there. Obviously, what did I learn? Uh, cooking with phasers is bad, and Star Trek bad guys like to quote old books because. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Khan quotes Moby Dick the whole time. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, there you go. Um, I would, you know, cooking with phasers, that whatever was in that pot just stayed there. That confused me. <laughs> what do you mean? So I would think, you know, I don't know. It just seems weird that it didn't take the food with it. Well, did it vaporize the whole thing? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why it didn't either because it was it should have it should have, yeah. Because the point that she was making it was all that whole scene was also kind of dumb, you know. Like she shot the phaser in a. It's yeah. not. It's not just the fact that she shot the phaser. Chekhov, who he's the tactical officer, like his job is the is the weaponry of the Enterprise. Like that's his mm-hmm. job. So the fact that he says why not shoot them, like you know why. Have some dumb crewman that doesn't know better ask that question. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't have him say it. And then you, then she shoots a gun in the, in the gallery. Like, that would never happen, you know, to, make, to prove a point. You know, just, it, again, it was kind of a funny moment. But it, they, they went a long way out of their way to, one, make Chekhov look kind of dumb. 
and then have everyone come running in going, who fired off that bloody phaser? So anyway, but you had to get <laughs> Scotty in on it, kind of get him into the scene somehow so that he could go. Uh, I hear you're having trouble with your warp drops. There's nothing wrong with the bloody thing. Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's it. I'm done. Um, right. Yes. So. Yeah. Yes. Not oh, that, not, all right. No, not that. Oh. Not, no, not that either. <laughs> uh, I went to play this. <laughs> but we didn't do a top three this week, frankly, because we've already done Star Trek. We've already kind of done. We didn't a, have a whole lot of time to think about it before. Um, yeah, we we this one kind of came out of nowhere, so um, we're not doing a top three. So if uh, after you listen to this, if you think you have one. Email us and we'll read it or listen to it or read it. And we'll do it at the next one if we think of anything. Yeah. Um, We don't have an angry Scotsman either um, for for the same reason uh, that the turnaround on this one episode was pretty quick. Though for some reason, personally, it felt like it was like uh, forever ago the last time we recorded. I don't know why. Maybe because it was Thursday? Uh, Yeah. It just feels long for some reason. Um, That's it. That's the show. Um, No uh, no email. Um, Out of 10. Out of 10. Uh, so, Chad, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, give it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> what? Nothing, please. I'm gonna give it eight exploding birds of prey. There you go. Out of ten. Wow. Have you? This is, this is just another small. Have you guys ever heard my pet peeve of between Harry Potter five and Harry Potter six, and why I have issues with the sixth movie because they use the exact same sound audio clips from the soundtrack from the previous movie. Have you ever heard my rant yes. on that? I know according yes, to No. They, I think I've heard it in the past. I probably just forgot it. It's fine. Basically, in the fifth movie, or the seventh movie, Star Trek Generations, they fight. A, they have to fight a Klingon bird of prey also, and they use the exact same footage of that bird of prey blowing up. Huh. And it's so. Huh. And it's like, really? You didn't have the budget to, to, to blow up a bird of prey differently? Like, do they all blow up the same way? Anyway. <laughs> Corny. Yes. Um, I will give it uh, seven uh, jello pudding blood splatters. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. Um, yes. Corny says seven. Uh, Sam. Yeah, I'll, uh, I think I'll give it a good six and a half Canadian Spockified money bills. Out of ten, what? six and a half. It was okay. It was just kind of average for me. Um, I, if I didn't have to see it, I wouldn't actively seek it out. Uh well, that, okay, that's fine. Um, I think I'll eventually force you to watch it. I still, I do think one day that you need to watch with me, like two through six. Ugh. Um, don't don't make noises. That's not very nice. That hurts my head thinking I, about it. I watched Jurassic Park three. Okay, you can suffer through a couple of movies. Um, yeah, I didn't force you to watch Jurassic Park three. You might as well. I never said Jurassic Park three was a cinematic masterpiece. I had to make that argument today. Someone was like, "Jurassic Park three is a good movie." And I'm like, "Whoa, uh, no. no!" He talks to a Velociraptor, and they're like, "Yeah, but he talks to Brontosaurus in the first one." I'm like, "No, he doesn't. He makes a noise, and they look." But he's talking to him. If I say, if I'm, if I bark at my dog and she looks at me, I'm not communicating. <laughs> I'm making a noise. Anyway, let oh. me sing you the song of my people. 
Not not to mention the end of Jurassic Park three is like let's hit a brick wall at hundred miles an hour and it's over. Yeah, and the, the army literally shows up. It was dumb. Yeah, the whole movie sucks. Um, the CGI looked great though, but it was a dumb movie. Well, I wasn't a fan of the feathers. But that's kind of how they like they are, right? Like oh, absolutely. But that's not the Jurassic Park brand of right. dinosaur, right? Let's not, let's that's why not, they, that's why not they let, went back to the featherless dinosaurs in Jurassic World. Let's not let fact get in the way of a good story. Exactly. Um, there you go. That's uh, oh, my out of ten. Um, I'm going to give it nine. Uh, nine. Um, I don't know. Stupid book reading scenes out of the thing. Hey, I at least added nine, Spock. That's, that's pretty high, man. I um, added Spock as a nice gesture to my. Uh, out of 10. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, yeah, I give, it a, there, I, I give it a 9. Well, do, do it for me. Do it for him. Um, I, I give it a 9 because of, of the Trek films, it's not the best film, but it's my favorite. Um, um, I, though I could go watch Star Trek 2 with the four of you or three of you right now if, if that was an option. But um, <laughs> Corny is clearly typing. Um, I'll, watch, I'll watch 2 again if you can convince Khan to put on a shirt. I can't. Oh. Yeah, it, it won't have it. He wears a shirt. It's just, it's it's that eighties thing where like it's <laughs> open in the middle. Um, but that's fully. That's all Ricardo Montalban. That's not a fake chest. That's him. Oh, I know. I know. He's looking pretty good for an old man. Well, not anymore. It's but scary. Um, anyway, so yeah, nine. I, I, uh, I, uh, again, I really love this movie. All of its flaws. I had a I had a good time watching it, and. Um, Full disclosure: I um, at the end of this, at the very end of the movie, when the when they ride off into the sunset, and the they start they the they're signing, you know, their names. Um, the idea is that that's they're signing their final logbook, their their individual logbooks. They're signing it, and when Leonard Nimoy's name came up there, I I'm, I'm no lie, I, I got a little emotional on that one, because um, it because what happened is sad. It was uh, he he will be sorely missed. He was a great man um, and a, and a good actor and. Um, the, the world is, is just a little less bright without him in it. So, um, could you say it's a little less logical? Yep. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to tell this one quick story. Nope. Nope. No, over. You didn't play the dog bite. I don't care. Um, so I'm going to talk right through your story. I will hang up on you. (laughs) Um, there's this really great story of how uh, I'm three seconds away from hanging up on you. Do it. Do it, John. Um, there's this great story of how when the series was over and they were doing the animated series. Um, it was an animated series? Mm-hmm, it lasted like two seasons. They only got the voice actors. They only got Shatner, Nimoy, and um, Chekhov to come. Um, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, Walter Koenig to come back and play to do their voice acting. They didn't get George Takei or Nichelle Nichols. And Leonard Nimoy went to the studio and said, "You get them to come and there, you get their voices, or I'm walking away." You know that was what he was. He was he was not just a good, he wasn't just Spock. He was a great man. You know he fought for equality. He found out that George Takei and Nichelle Nichols weren't getting the same pay as the other, you know, ca- the, you know other ca- cast members. Obviously, Bill Shatner and he were the the, the leads, but he they weren't getting the same pay because they were. You know, black lady and an Asian man. They were not getting the same pay. And, and Leonard Nimoy raised big hell about it and got their pay, you know, to the level of what, you know, Hollywood says it should be. So 
um, he was a great man, and uh, he will be sorely missed. So that's it. Um, next week, we are, in fact, doing Bad Boys 2. So, Corny, feel free to just whatever the heck you intend to do with that. So there you well, go. I've already done it twice. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. Um, and I, I have the movie on, on DVD, so if anyone wants to come over and watch it, feel free. Um, so there you go. So yeah, that's it. Next uh, next week. Uh, so special thanks goes out to Steve Everett. Thank you, Steve, for letting us use your voice and your guitar for so long. Uh, we've obviously made a change, if you've noticed. Um, and that's that's just it was time for something different. And so we thank Steve for his um, his talent. But we're we're gonna go in a slightly different direction. Um, leave us a review on iTunes and Stitcher. They are awesome. Leave us uh, check out our website, cheapseatreviews.com. Um, we have all kinds of fun little things there. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cheap seat reviews. You may follow us on Twitter at cheap seat cast. I don't know if you were with this when I was, uh, live tweeting the Oscars, but we had a good time. Um, please send us your emails, cheap seat reviews at gmail.com. We will read them on the air and, uh, laugh at Sam and Chad and Corny and myself because what else are we going to laugh at? So there you go. So on behalf of Chad, Sam Corny, this is Sean saying goodnight. Uh, thank you for joining us and, um, you know, live long and prosper. <laughs>